It's 9 o'clock on WPSL Port St. Lucie and time now for We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Smith and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians. We're so glad you've tuned in to the show this morning and we appreciate it very much as we do every week that you've taken the time out this morning to listen. Hope that we can provide you with some things this morning that will challenge you and be of use and interest to you for the next hour or so. We'll be on till 10 o'clock live here in Port St. Lucie. This is a live call-in show and I'm going to give you the numbers in just a moment if you want to write them down so you can get a hold of us and several ways to get a hold of us and to listen to the show and so forth. So we'll be glad to do that in just a moment. But We Are Just Christians is a show about spirituality, about being a Christian here in the 21st century like they were in the 1st century. You know, Gary, I'm thinking about doing a show soon, and I don't want to get off. I'm going to need to give the numbers, but just as what I'm thinking about, I want to do a show. Maybe we'll do it today even about the difference between undenominational Christianity and non-denominational Christianity. And that's a big difference. I'm going to, I don't know the people may not think that, but it's a big difference. But um, in fact, just, let me just go ahead and give the numbers so we can get into some things this morning. Well, how about a difference between denominational Christianity and the Bible? Well, that's <laughs> true. Uh, that that is obviously uh, what the show's about. That's right. The difference between between what the world shows you as religion or Christianity, or even spirituality, and what the Bible ta- says about yes. being a Christian and serving the Lord, is, and that's what the show is essentially about about being just a Christian here in the in the twenty uh, first century. But you can reach the show. We are just Christians at seven seven two three four zero fifteen ninety seven seven two three four zero one five nine zero is the number and uh <coughs> pardon me that's the regular call in number for wpsl we also can be reached by text message this morning and all through the week we have two text numbers that people use from time to time and we'll try to respond to the text on the air can't always guarantee that but we'll try to respond to your text messages at least to incorporate the things you say into the uh, into the show uh, my text message is, my text number is 772-260-6120, 772-260-6120, and Gary's is 772-260-6220, so we're real close uh, in numbers, 6120-6220, and uh, go ahead and, if you want to, text us during the uh, during the show, uh, we'll be glad to, to try to respond to that. I've tried to set my phone where it's not going to go beeping and tweeting and chirping all during the show, well, but I don't know if I'm having, going to have any luck at that. Well, that's what I was trying to do. You're doing I, the same thing? Mine's doing the same thing this morning because I let the battery go to completely zero. And oh, when that's it, always a plus. And when it booted back up, not everything's working right this yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's probably about true for you and me both, Gary. Well, this, this, this is a, like I said, Mike, this is a $99 phone. This is not a, <laughs> a you know, If anybody wants to send a donation so Gary can get a phone from the, <laughs> from the 2000s even, we'll be happy to take that. I'm just teasing you. But, uh, you know, it's not that with, uh, with a lot of us, it's not that we, it's not about the uh, money. It's about do you really want that phone? Yes, or that technology that and do all and, those and I think most but see I do I want all that stuff and Gary see, is not necessarily I'm that I'm way. I'm not interested in having to learn how to use something else yeah yeah uh, it's just uh, one of those things 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a first adapter, and I've slowed down on that in the last uh, few years, but always the first adapter to everything, and I go through the problems. Then I learned to be uh, almost a first adapter. Let somebody else get the bugs out of 1.0 software. I'll take 1.1 or 1.2. But anyway, uh, we're off the topic this morning. Well, uh, getting back to what you said, though, <laughs> the, one, the reasons why I suggested that is I keep seeing – Franklin Graham in advertisements on TV and basically you know many of the things he says are true but some of the things he says that are key are not true and that at least consistent with the Bible. Well so. that's true I, I, I think the same thing was obviously uh, the case with his father Billy Graham who as a man I respected because he has integrity I think he wasn't a charlatan like Kenneth Copeland or uh, I won't even Creflo Dollar or somebody like that. I don't think they think those fellows are charlatans for the most part. They're certainly greedy egomaniacs, in my opinion. Not not that I'm being judgmental, but anyway, um, <laughs> the, the other the, but but those two fellows, I think at least for sure, Billy. I know less about Franklin. I think they have integrity. I think they're wrong though, and and I in particular in their views of salvation and how to be saved what the bible says about being a christian initially i think they're very wrong and they mislead people by teaching an incomplete gospel and and uh, therefore and because of their their acceptance of lutheran or uh, calvinist thinking about salvation by faith only uh, there i think they leave short what the gospel actually says now, that's my big disagreement with them, and I think, therefore, it's a dangerous thing. But what I had in mind, Gary, is the idea that a lot of people that listen to this show, I'm going to take a guess based on experience or observation, are seeking to be just a Christian. And so they'll go to the Internet on Google or somewhere, and, and they'll look up uh, non-denominational churches. What I find is there, what some of them are seeking a non-denominational church which doesn't really believe in much of anything except be nice to other people, like they think Jesus was nice to other people, and do some kind of good works, call yourself spiritual. What, but what we're trying to present to people is not that, not, not non-denominational Christianity that basically doesn't believe in anything. We're trying to present undenominational Christianity, which is about not being part of some denomination, going back to just the Bible itself, which means we have very definite understandings of truth, what is true, what is false, and we believe very strongly in in truth and error, in right and wrong, and we believe the Bible defines those things for us. Yeah, well, and so the- our goal is not to make everybody get along. It's, it's not the... Uh, uh, what's that fellow's name out there in the Los Angeles riots? You know, can't we all just Rodney? King, it's not the Rodney King gospel. Why can't we all just get along? It's the what does Jesus say about things? What do the apostles say? Well, that's, that's the keep, true gospel. I keep coming back to John twelve forty eight. He who rejects me, this is Jesus speaking. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Basically, Jesus is saying, because of other passages in, in the Scripture, what is recorded in the New Testament is what he said. Right. You can even go in a... Uh, that's correct. And 
you know, way back there, back when you, people still had actual telephones in their homes, I was trying to uh, advertise in the yellow pages or in the direct, be listed in directories. This is many, many years ago. And telling them I don't want to just be put in some category of Church of Christ, which is to some people just another denomination. And it often it acts like one. Many churches of Christ act like a denomination in the way that they present themselves, what they think. I want to be in the, not only in that category so somebody can find it as if that's what they're looking for, but also in the category of undenominational churches. <clears throat> well, they didn't have a category in some place for undenominational churches. It's always non-denominational churches. I said, well, make one for undenominational churches. And I think one Hollywood or somewhere down at and did at some point in time in the Yellow Pages. But, but that's what happens to us. So just so you know, truth in advertising, I think what happens, that's what we're about. We have people that, that visit here, Gary, from time to time, who when they come in, they're expecting just your generic, and I, I would use the word generic church. They don't really want any particular doctrine except we love Jesus, you know, and, and uh, a very generic kind of Christianity that doesn't offend anyone except perhaps a radical Muslim. That's what they're looking for in Christianity. It's but I'm going to tell you something. You won't find that here. What you'll find is something that is, tri- is Bible-based. We're going to be reading when you come to the assembly here in all of our services from the text of the Bible, particularly the New Testament, mostly, not all together, we're going to be looking at the text of the Bible and trying to, trying to understand as simply as we can how we can apply that to ourselves today, both as a collective church acting as a group together in our work and worship and as individuals as we live from day to day. And so it's going to be a very uh, not generic Christianity. Well, that's what I was so going to say. Very specific Christianity. People coming here expecting that are going to be disappointed, I believe. I, th- I don't right. think they're going well, to Well, we don't that. sit around and attack everybody in some kind of vicious way. We are going to say that this is a correct teaching. And this other doctrine or attitude, or even whether it's a doctrine of some denomination or or some teaching that you find in Hollywood or some other place that this is wrong or contrary to what the New Testament says and this is according to what the New Testament says. Uh, so so if you're if you're looking for a New Testament church as it were, not a generic church where the lowest common denominator of what anyone might call Christianity is taught, then then you might be interested. And I think there are a lot of people that are. I think a lot of people actually here that 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 think they're looking for a generic church are really looking for the New Testament church. They're, they're, they're trying to get away <clears throat> from just a lot of partisan bickering about things in churches and bad attitudes. Well, the only way I know to solve that is for all of us to agree that we're going to follow the Bible and the Bible only in what we do and agree that we'll submit our will to the will of the Bible rather than try to Make a church that suits our will. We don't have the Henry VIII church here because we didn't like the teaching of whatever the, someone else said. We made our own church. That really isn't what this is about. This is going back beyond all that, beyond Catholicism, beyond Lutheranism or whatever it may be, back to the Bible. It's difficult. It's, it's, it's a big challenge. And people can say, well, you're not smart enough to do that. Well, maybe not. But 
I don't think the Bible was written for smart people. You know, it was written for the rest of us who well, can who have enough intelligence to know what words mean and can decipher it, and, and hopefully people that have enough faith in God's word that they think they, they can read it and understand it. That's who it's meant for. I think that encompasses the great swath of mankind, not the intellectuals, not the priests, not the higher-ups, but the great swath of mankind that wants to be just a Christian. Anyway, Gary, you were going to I interrupted well, you. Well, I was just going to say okay. that's basically, I think, what Paul was saying in <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 4, when he, said, when he says, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ. He was intending for them to read what he had written. And we understand that what, what Paul wrote, what Peter wrote, what James wrote, what the apostles wrote, and appear in the letters are what Christ told them that they would have to say. Paul does this explicitly in Galatians. He says he got the gospel directly from Jesus though basically he never met Jesus in the flesh, as we might say, um, before, the res- before the crucifixion and resurrection. If he did, it might have been at Jesus' trial. There's some minor evidence yeah, of that. Right. But he was opposed to Jesus. And, and, he, and he had to change. But I, I, I point again to what we're saying about the Bible in Galatians 1 and verses 11, uh, pardon me, verses 6 through 10 where he says, I marvel that you are turning so soon from him who called you to the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. He's saying people, even back then, were trying to pervert what he was teaching. Right. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have preached, let him be accursed. Gary, we just got a text from John, and I, I think that, before I read the text, I think it bears on what you just said, maybe not the way that the texture intended, but we're going to have to do a show soon, and I'll try to put something together soon. I had something together here. And uh, looking at my notes this morning, it's kind of escaped me where it is, but I'll find it in a minute here. I got a bunch of papers strewn out across the table. But but a, a show about the text of the New Testament, how we got it, and how we know what it is. But John says, uh, we he says, uh, we finally got our Bible and what's in it in the 400s. That's 400 A.D. So before that, you had a lot to choose from. There were a lot of different versions of Christianity until the Council of Nicaea. All right, I'll, I'll grant that's partly true except for this. The verse that Gary just read, re- read it again, Gary, about the Ga- Ga- Galatians. Okay, go, I'm going to start with verse 8 to uh, make it a little bit shorter. But uh, he uh, says, 8 and 9, yeah, go ahead. You know, uh, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed, as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. So it was true even before all the apostles died around the year 100 that there were people preaching false doctrine, false gospels. Yes, there were various versions of quote-unquote Christianity out there even before the apostles died, Paul warned in Acts 20 that there would be false teachers come in as, as wolves among the flock, teaching false things. He warned the brethren about that. 
Paul told them in 1 Timothy 4 that they had to be on guard about this because they would some who would forbid to marry and abstain to command command to abstain from eating meats and so forth to watch for these people. So yes, there were choices, but what was true was what the apostles left us and what the evangelists left. We had that. They had that in the first century. They were supposed to follow the apostles' teaching and the other inspired writers who had had their hands laid on them, not just whoever came along, Chrysostom and Anselm, and I'm naming just a couple of people. They weren't supposed to follow even Irenaeus and those men who came along in the 120s and so forth. They were supposed to follow the apostles. Were some of them following false teachers and false doctrines before that time? They were, and they were warned about it. And there were people writing things that were false before that time. But the New Testament itself says very clearly, only follow this. And so, yes, they had all these arguments going on for two or three hundred years until the Council of Nicaea. But I'm going to tell you, the Council of Nicaea didn't decide what the truth was or what the Bible was. That had already been decided by God revealing his word to certain men who truly had the Holy Spirit in the first century. And, and by the time the apostles were all dead, that was all settled and, and done. And, and how was that all settled and done? And I'll say, I'll go to Colossians chapter 4 and beginning in verse 16. Paul writes to the Colossians, he says, Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of La- the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And they were all supposed to be passing these, and they knew what, what they were. Uh, They knew which ones were what. Now, that got muddled a little bit as time went on, but the truth is, the principle that we base our teaching on here is that the text of what was left for the apostle, and here's the thing, Gary, we know what that text was. We know in many different ways. We have thousands of manuscripts of Testament documents uh, by orders of magnitude greater than any other ancient documents. We have these, and they, they match up and the discrepancies that amount to much are less than a full page. And I'll read some more of this information later to you. So we know what was in there. Were there people early on, even during the life of the apostles, like Hymenaeus and Philetus and Alexander, people that are mentioned in the New Testament, who were teaching false things? We know that they were. That doesn't mean that there were various versions of Christianity that you could choose from. People did choose from them. The question is, should they have chosen from them? And the answer is, well, no. It wasn't a smorgasbord that you could pick from and all be correct. There was only one true gospel that was revealed to the apostles, and we know what that was. We don't often like it because it's difficult. And yes, they had arguments about it down through time, and, and there's no other way God could have revealed that it would have spared the arguments. Well, he goes on so. to say, and just what I read from Colossians 4, 16 and following, verse 17, and he says to uh, Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. He cautions them. These letters are accurate. You received these letters. Pay attention to them. Right. And so that's what they did. I believe they did that. Now, now Paul, basically, uh, if you go and look at what he says, to when he was traveling on his second journey, Paul... Um, met with the elders at the church in Ephesus. The church had not been established that long. Ephesus is a in, a, in what we now call Turkey. 
near the coast. And he traveled by ship and he came along the coast. And the, the port, port city of Ephesus is Miletus over on the coast. And when he got to Miletus on by the ship there, he called for the elders of the church. And so the elders came to him and he, he talked with them and, and talked about, he says to them in verse, uh, he told he had, he had declared to them the whole counsel of God and all kind of other things. You can read about this in Acts chapter 20. Uh, oh, about verse, uh, I don't know, say 20, it really isn't, why I want it work here. Um, about, 15, about 17, Acts 20, verse 17, beginning. But, but skip down a little bit, and you, you see here he says in verse uh, 28, Therefore take heed to yourselves, you elders, and to the flock, that's the church, the people, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, that is, after his death, Exodus is the word there, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among your own selves, will men rise up, and the elders will men rise up, speaking perverse things, which means things not according to what I've left you. Just like he mentioned in Galatians, I wrote these things. If anybody teaches something different, let him be accursed. He, see, he says they'll come up speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn you night and day with tears. So Paul is saying to these elders, I've revealed to you the truth. Don't let somebody come in later and add something to it or change it or preach a different kind of doctrine. These are wolves, he says, not just other teachers. So yes, there were false teachers going around. They wrote things. They said things. Paul's told what Paul was saying, go back to the words I left you. And in Ephesians, he says, I wrote them down, Ephesians 3, verses 3 through 5, which we refer to quite often. I wrote them down whereby when you read them, you may know my knowledge of the mystery. So Paul said, I spoke these things to you, I taught them to you, and I wrote them down. And the other apostles did too. Peter referred to what Paul wrote in Scripture, and Paul and Peter worked together. They were not adversaries. Oh, I know Paul rebuked Peter for misbehavior, but they were not adversaries. They were teaching the same things. They were teaching what God had revealed to the apostles. So this is the point that we make as far as a church here, what, we're, what we try to do. We're trying to go back to the words of the apostles. And as it says in Acts 2, continue steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and, and, in, and in fellowship with one another. The apostles' teaching includes what's written in the New Testament and then what the apostles said about even the Old Testament scriptures to teach all of that. That's the point. Now, we can go do a textual study about going back to uh, you know, how, how we got the Bible, how we know what's in the New Testament is correct. We kind of, for the most part on this show, let, assume that. But I don't mind going back at all and discussing those textual issues. There are questions about everything. And there are some verses here or there, the way they're phrased, that are problematic. But as far as the core of the gospel and the, main, and the things we need to know, those things go all the way back. That isn't the question. Not knowing what 
was originally in the New Testament, Gary, is not the problem for modern people. The problem for modern people is we don't like what we read in the New Testament. Okay, That's, that's, that's the problem. We don't like it, so we want something different. That Mike, that's basically what I've been saying for many years here, and, and some people don't like it when I say that. If you study the Bible, and you learn what's in the Bible, and you learn what Paul and Peter and the Gospels and Jesus taught, in order to understand the word by which you're going to be judged, you're going to find things in it that you do not like. Right. If you study it honestly, you are going to find things that you do not like. Now, I'm going to mention one other passage. 1 Thessalonians 5.27. That passage I read in Colossians was not the only one. Paul says to the Thessalonians, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. Right. All of them. And there's a, bu- there's a bunch of those. That's right. So these letters were meant to be circulated. Now, now, here, now, John texts back, and this is a good point. He says, but what about the words of Jesus, uh, the red letters? Paul barely mentions any red letters, meaning if you have an old King James Version, the words of Jesus are in red. I guess some of the newer translations they might be too. I, I don't put any stock in the red letters for, for a very simple reason. Uh, I, and I don't mind. I mean, I, it's okay if you've got it. You can know Jesus said it. But but he Jesus doesn't say my individual words are more important than any other words in the New Testament. In fact, here's what he says: uh, when he was getting before his just before his crucifixion, the very end of his ministry, just before his crucifixion, speaking to his apostles, and Paul wasn't an apostle yet; he was as a child, untimely born, born in a family, born later. But before you read that, I want to read one passage. Oh, all right, go ahead, Gary. I want to read one passage. It's in Galatians. It follows exactly the passages that I read. Paul says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to me, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul, is, Paul doesn't say, Well, you know, after Jesus appeared to me, I went to Jerusalem so Peter could tell me everything about the gospel. He doesn't say that. No. He says, I went away to Arabia, and Jesus himself taught me the gospel through the Holy Spirit. So the thing, and he taught the same. What makes us think he taught Peter one thing and Paul something different? What kind of man would do that? What kind of, he, wouldn't be a, he wouldn't be the savior of the world, you see. So Peter and Paul were both taught by Jesus personally, as it were, or my directly. Point, my point is Paul's words are Jesus. Are Jesus' words. That's exactly right. Thank you for making that point, because that's exactly correct. But Jesus says to his disciples after he, he getting ready to leave them, he's telling them. And he says, I still have John 16, 12. And this bears upon what the verse you just read, Gary. I still have many things to say to you, you, you apostles, but you cannot bear them now. I, they would be hard. You couldn't even understand what I was saying if I told you them to you now, because he hadn't even buried, crucified, and re- I mean, crucified, buried, and resurrected yet. He hadn't even ascended to the Father yet. How could they even bear these words? However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatsoever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you, tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So he's telling them the Holy Spirit is going to come after I go away and guide you into all truth, and whatever he hears from me, he's going to tell you. So he promises the apostles that, yes, you don't have all the truth that you need now, because I'm still with you. 
But when I go away, a time is coming when you'll be able to bear this truth, you understand it, and I'm going to reveal it to you through the Holy Spirit. Which is exactly what Paul said he did. Exactly. And it's what Peter said at Pentecost, that what I'm telling you is coming from the Holy Spirit, told the people there, they told them to repent and be baptized, coming from the Holy Spirit. And the Lord descended on the apostles and showed them that they had the, showed the people that they had the authority of God. He said, Paul, Paul was told, you have received it from me. He told us the very same thing. So this is why I don't say, oh, well, just read the, the red letter words and you'll know the right, all that you need to know. That, that is, I know pe- people have been taught that strangely enough in, in, um, in days past. Their preachers have let them think because of the red letters that those are the most important words in the Bible. Well, it's certainly important to know that Jesus said this or this. Well, but we should not have the impression that those are the most important words or the only words we have to pay attention to in the Bible. Right. Well, when Jesus spoke in John twelve forty eight, he says, my word is what will judge you in, in the last day. He wasn't just talking about the words that he personally spoke. He was talking about all of his word that he revealed to the apostles and they revealed to us through the letters. It's exactly that. Correct. And so, and here's another verse that I want you to think about. Uh, you who would like to say, well, I just like to read the red letters, or oh, we don't even know what the, we have to know what the red letters say, and, you know, or, and I'm not saying this about John, the texture here, because he makes a lot of good points. But the point is, though, it's not a matter of the red letters are the only thing that's matter. Pa- Paul didn't quote the red letters in the Bible because he was being, he was writing down what God had revealed to him beyond the red letters. I'm going to guide you into all truth, meaning things I haven't said to you. We have what Jesus said through the evangelists. Now the apostles later wrote down other stuff that Jesus said after he ascended back to heaven, and they wrote it in their own words through the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's what Jesus says in John 12:47. I think you go 12:46, right? Uh, <laughs> Well, no, no, 1248, 47. If anyone hears my words and does not believe them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world. But he, this isn't the right verse. This isn't what I'm, what I wanted. How did I get there? I looked up Gary's verse. Why, why are you looking okay. Up? Anyway, that's not the verse I want. Let me look up. Let me find out what I want. There's another one in Peter, First Peter one, beginning verse thirteen. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Basically, that's what Peter is talking about. That's what Peter's saying, I'm telling you. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as you were ignorant, but as the, as those who called you as holy and also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Peter is saying, Basically, I think what what he's telling you to do is a, is brought to you as a revelation of Christ. Right. Here's Jesus. Here's the verse I was looking for, Gary. Here, here's Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, "He who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. He who rejects me rejects him and sent me." So Jesus says, "If if you disciples go out and you preach my words, and they, and they reject, reject you, they reject they rejected him. me." And so when I reject the words of the apostles, because it's not in red letters, I'm rejecting Jesus Christ. So I have to make sure I'm reading those letters. Uh, uh, read, read it with faith. Now, now the truth is, uh, well, it's another one of those things. 
We know what the Gospels say because of the people that quoted them. And uh, Yeah, that was another point. That Basically, even if we didn't have the text, my understanding is we could recreate the text by those... The quotations in the second and third centuries. Now, now John makes this point in response in the text. He says the problem is uh, we teach about the teacher, but not what the teacher taught. And I don't disagree with that point either. I think uh, when you, when you, Gary, I tell you, I've been so impressed this, the older I get, having taught about this all my life, but when you really sit down with the words of Jesus Christ, the ones that are in the red letters, and you start digging into those, a little deeper than something you want to cross-stitch and put on your wall, but a little deeper. The words of Jesus Christ are so challenging and so deep and so uh, right to the very center of the heart of man that um, I can see why people have been moved by them all these centuries that I may have missed. I may have, this may this is simply a reflection of my shallowness at times, not not uh, some like I may got some kind of new revelation here. Um, yes, we teach about the teacher. We teach what we think about the teacher and not the things that that, that teacher said. I don't disagree with that. But I think, here's the other thing. Uh, You have to read the book of Acts and the epistles, and when you read those, for example, you get commentary upon what Jesus meant when he was writing. And vice versa, as they say. Well, you see the application of some of Jesus' words in those events that are chronicled for us. Right. And basically, that's another point about the Old Testament. Basically, I think the Old Testament shows us, in, in, in the words you like to use, and I think they're good ones, this is what love your neighbor looks like in the Old Testament. Right. This is how you see it. How it actually works out in actual life. Actually how it should works. be working out in real life. Uh, and and I'm, I'm going to say, Mike, I disagree a little bit that we don't teach that. I think one of the things that we attempt to do on this show Oh, I know. And his hope is to move to that what is said and how it governs our lives. I don't mean we don't teach it. I think sometimes people right. miss that over there. Yes, they get caught up in something about church instead of missing getting to the heart of what Jesus is yes, saying. Yes, I think that's more. I would agree with that. And more. so, and so yeah. they use the gospel as a hammer to hurt people, not just in one to correct and get people going for the right reason. There's all kinds of ways you can use the Bible, and you can use it just to make yourself look good and righteous, to hurt other people. Jesus didn't do that, nor does he intend to do that. And sometimes I think churches can be guilty of that. I'm not making a blanket charge there. Or Christians can be guilty of just using the Bible to beat somebody over the head with rather than try to help and encourage and correct in the right way. Well, anyway, I never did get around here. I appreciate the text and this, how we kind of, got off on that, but it's an important thing, and I haven't even got to the idea of the difference. We don't want to touch on the hem of the idea of the difference between undenominational and non-denominational, or as you put it, denominational versus New Testament Christianity, you know. But um, you can reach us, as I think, on a call into the show. We'd be glad to have your call today, 772-340-1590. You can call the show about anything that's on your mind. You don't have to call about the things we're talking about. Just call up and ask a question or make a comment. Uh, And we certainly don't mind if you call up and criticize or say something that you think we might disagree with. In fact, I'm saying this sincerely, we we would welcome that. We we would welcome you to call up and say, well, I don't agree with what you said here, or I think you two are idiots, or, you know, well, whatever you want to say. 
we don't mind that at all. And we promise you we're not going to become antagonistic or make fun of you or anything like that. We might have an art, we might have a disagreement, and we're going to try to tr- answer you by going to the scriptures, if we can, to answer it. Or if you're right, we're going to say, you know what, maybe you're right about that. Just like John's text there. Some of what he says I perfectly agree with, other parts I don't agree with. Okay, well, I, I don't I don't guess I heard his feelings. I don't know. But well, but we, we don't mind you disagreeing. We would we'd love that. It'd make a good radio show. So call up. If you're not even a believer in the Bible or God, call up. Talk tell us why. There are a lot of people that have your your understanding. There are a lot of people that agree with you about that. Just tell us why, and we'll take a look at that and we, we can probably learn something about that. Well, so go one, ahead and do one it. of the things I'd like to say to Mike, one of the things that we try to do when we look at this, and I want everybody to understand this is that we try to take a simple and plain reading, and often that depends upon the meaning of the words. Words have meaning, and and in our society today, Mike, unfortunately, words seem to mean whatever you want them to mean at the time, and that's not the way we study the Bible. We have to study the Bible, and what did those words mean when they were spoken? Yes. We are the constitutional... How would you say strict constructionists? Strict constructionists yeah. of the Bible, originalists. Would, oh, we definitely are originalists with the New Testament text as best we can be, and we make, we're really got a lot to learn there. I know, but I'm just promoting that idea with people because I think it's been lost over the generations. More people are originalists with the Baptist manual and the creed book, or the or the Presbyterian uh, book, confession of faith, or the Catholic catechism. The, oh, they know what that says, and they've been. They can recite some of those kind of things. But as far as trying to actually interpret or understand the text and make a, a real application, that can't go beyond that. So that needs to be corrected. Well, that, that's one of the things I think we need to point to very specifically in studying the Bible. One of the things that I've said, if I can, if I can impart to you a better way to study the Bible to get to its truth, I have done more than just telling you what something means. Right. And... That's part of what my goal is here. And I think that's your goal as well. Exactly. And that's why we do this show. So, uh, and, and that's, um, that's what we're trying to get across about being just a Christian. It's about going back to that original idea. Now, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to make it overly simplistic in that it is a, it takes thought and time and if you, if you were to come here and visit with us at the Church of Christ on Savannah Boulevard uh, you might come and say wow this is different I think it's like the New Testament church or you might say that's crazy I don't know what your reaction will be all I could say is I hope that your reaction one way or the other would be based upon some specific thing from scripture that you can point out and then let's discuss about what that is because that's the goal or the intention. And in truth, I, I guess um, from what I was reading about some things... Um, well, while you're thinking oh, about right, that right. for just a second, let's go back to what I read in Galatians 1. We talked about him marveling that you were turning away so soon from him who called you to the grace of Christ to a different gospel. And he goes on to say there's not another gospel. And if any other gospel is preached other than what he preached, let him be accursed. The last verse of that kind of idea in verse 10 of Galatians 1. He says, for 
For do I now persuade men, or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Many of the things I think that we see in denominational religion, in basically in the creeds and books and things, are men-pleasing ideas. Right. Paul says he's not going to do that. Paul says, when I preach the gospel, I'm not preaching it to please men. Well, the first reaction is sometimes, I'm sure it's true on this show, and maybe true if you hear me speak from the pulpit or you and Gary when he teaches, the first reaction most people would have or many people would have to what is often taught about various issues is, oh, wow, you can't say that. People are not going to like that. Or people are going to, you're going to hurt people's feelings if you say something like that. Well, that, that shouldn't necessarily be our first reaction. Should we care about whether we hurt people? Of course. I care deeply about that. I don't want to say things that are just, I don't say anything just to hurt anybody's feelings or be offensive or drive anybody away or make fun of anybody. I'm sure that what things I do say over the years, some of them do that very thing, but I don't intend that. But our first reaction to hearing something about the Bible or from the Bible isn't, oh, people aren't going to like that or they're going to be upset by that. That's a very secondary, a subordinate thing altogether to the question of, is that true? What is right and true and good? Now, when you read a Bible truth, and, and uh, you know, I believe in, I believe, Gary, in the teaching of Jesus, if I interpret it correctly, that when he told him that the, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And by that, I take it to mean in general principle that the word of God was not meant to destroy people, but to, but no, to no. help people. And so I understand that. But yet on the other side, McCoy, some people's lives and thoughts are so uh, off the track that it the word of God can't do anything but tear them down because they need it needs to be torn down and rebuilt on the word of God. Some things have to be tear, torn down before you can build the new, right. new thing. So I can't give comfort and aid to every idea that I hear, uh, although I don't mean to hurt or drive away the person that believes it. Well, Not every idea can be coddled and... and uh, Get, put put some makeup on it and make it look right. Okay, it's just wrong. Well, Paul says in the last the last few words of that last verse, for if I still pleased men, I would not not be a bond servant of Christ. Paul cannot be a bond servant of Christ. Preach what Christ has said and preach what pleases men. It's, it's, they don't. It doesn't work. It right? doesn't they go work. together. He has to preach what. Christ has revealed to him, which is what he said, and later on, where he said he got it. Right, right. So, and, and Jesus was the same way. If you go back and look at, at what, let's go back to those red letters for a minute. They didn't please the scribes and Pharisees what he said. No, he didn't. He didn't make any attempt to do that much, did he? No, he didn't. As a matter of fact, in some cases, by our standards today, we might consider him a little bit brutal in the way he spoke to them. Now, ironically, I would make this distinction, uh, not ironically, but I would make this distinction, Gary, and I 100% agree with what you just said. I would make this distinction. Jesus was very hard on the religious leaders of his day, especially in their pride and pomp and so forth, where they took God's word, the old law, and added to it and changed it and made their traditions around it. And then, as he said, set others at naught. 
and what appeared to be, in some cases, ignorance of what God said. Well, a lot of ignorance is because it's willful. It's willful ignorance. Well, see, that's and when, once you get caught up in your traditions, you become ignorant. Look, we're coming up on Christmas here in a couple months. Oh boy! What, what people? What so-called Christians? And I'm talking about Christian, so-called Christian leaders know about what the Bible says about Christmas. What do? What does the Bible say about Christmas? Nothing. They don't even know what the Bible says about the birth of Christ. So what can the people sitting in the pews where they preach know about the birth of Christ and what happened around that time? They don't know. Why don't they know? Well, they don't know, not because they're not smart men or even good men. That's not the point. The point is, all they know are their traditions. They know what the tradition of their church is or their conference or or seminary or whatever it may be. Synod, I don't even know all the names for them. They know what that tradition is. They know what the liturgy book says for them to do on the 12th Sunday before Advent or whatever it may be. They know the liturgy. But do they know the text of the Bible and have they thought about what it means for them to preach the next Sunday? No, they're going by the denomination's book on that subject. And so it isn't surprising that most Christians out here listening to me think that the three wise men came to the manger and that there were even three to start with, you see, and all that kind of stuff. And that Christ, they think that Christ was born on December 25th. It isn't surprising because the people preaching to them often think that very thing because they have said it not God's word. They're not ignorant. In, in, they're ignorant, but they're not ignorant because they're not intelligent. They're ignorant because they have set aside God's teaching for their own traditions. Well, this, that's why they become well, ignorant. I'm, I'm going to take that one step further. This is really my problem when I, I mentioned earlier Franklin Graham. Billy Graham as well as Franklin Graham. They are, they are missing essential elements of the gospel when they teach. And why is that? Because these are men in a position who, who apparently, you know, want people to believe they have studied scripture. They are well versed. Well, they have scripture. studied some scripture. And, and not, not, not enough. Not enough. But, not the right but one. But basically, this is what I'm coming back to. These, these people are in some ways, not in every way, in some ways, in the same position as the scribes and Pharisees and the spiritual leaders of Jesus' day. Right. Now, that's harsh. They are in relation to uh, holding their traditions and setting it not, not the word of God. Yes. Not be, the Pharisees were wicked men. Many of them were, not all of them. I don't think Franklin Graham... I'm not sure that all these Graham, fellows are wicked men. They're wicked men, right. but... But are they teaching the truth? And therefore, they, that, they're not. And that's, don't be deceived by the fact that they're nice. Yes. Okay. You can have a, you can be a nice person and still be very wrong. Well, he says in many cases that let not many of you be teachers. Why did he say that? Because you're going to receive a stricter judgment. Yes. And these people today, you know, next time that you hear, if you're listening to the show, next time you hear your preacher, Talk about Christmas. I want you to remember, it's not in the Bible at all. Ask him, ask him to turn in the Bible and show you this holiday of Christmas. Not the birth of Christ, because that's in the Bible. Ask him to show you what the Bible says that the church or we Christians are supposed to do about the birth of Christ as a church. 
Ask him to show you what your church is going to do about Christmas from the Bible. The next time you hear about Easter from the lips of your, this word Easter from the lips of your preacher, ask him to show you in the Bible what the church is supposed to do about Easter. Just as an experiment. You don't have to be hostile about it. Just as an experiment to see what you're told. And listen carefully to what you're going to be told. Because you won't be told this verse and this verse tells us what to do. Now, as far as the Lord's Supper, communion, I can go to the Bible and show you what to do about that on the first day of the week. More than one verse. I can read you about that. He could too. But see, ask him on when the Lord's Day comes around why you're not keeping the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. Uh, but, you, you know, this kind of thing, that's just a simple little experiment. And that's uh, not to put you on the spot, but the point is, Going to a seminary doesn't necessarily ed- educate you. Now, here, here's the other problem, Gary. There'll be a lot of guys who will say something to this effect. Yes, I know that the Bible doesn't say anything about Christmas. You'll never guess what the next word is. But but <laughs> we do this and this, and we think it's a good idea to do this and this, and this is our tradition or custom to do this and this. Okay, just remember that answer. Same answer the Pharisees would have given about keeping the Sabbath law. That's my point. Okay, that's same my, kind of answer they would have given. That's my point. And how, well, how did Jesus view the scribes and Pharisees in, in those situations? The, the other thing that bothers me is, and, and more than what does your preacher say about Christmas or about Easter, is if you ask him, what must I do to be saved? Ask him that. Yes. <laughs> and, and write down very carefully what he says. Don't just commit it to memory. Write it down very carefully. And then you we compare. And, and, and you can easily. And you can call or text or write us and, and we'll talk to you about that. that. To yeah. what scripture says about that. Exactly. You know, Gary, I never did give some of this other contact information here. <laughs> we'll come back to this in just a moment before I forget it. Uh, you can email this show. Uh, in fact, if you want to call 340-1590, that's a 772 exchange, 340-1590. Call us now. We've still got 10 minutes left. We've got to talk, we to talk with you. Uh, but you can also email the show at justchristians at att.net, justchristians at att.net. If you'd like to find out more about the church and listen to a podcast of this, these radio shows going back many years, listen to the online or on, in a podcast, either one. And same thing is true with the sermons that we preach here, lessons we preach here at the church. You can look by subject or by title or by date. You can just go to our website, wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. And maybe you don't want to come to a live service. We we have live services and never stop meeting at 10, 11, uh, this 10 and 11 today. And at 7.30 on Wednesday evenings, Bible classes, we sanitize between services. People wear masks and all that. You know, you know, you can come safely, but you know, some people are not ready for that yet. That's fine. But we have a live stream of the show that you can um, go to, which is, tinyurl.com at Savona Church Stream and, and so forth. So we, we meet at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie and we'd be glad to have you 
that or just look up, uh, you can find the live stream address on our website, which is wearejustchristians.com. I, I think John's on the line. Are you on, are you there, John? Yeah, if you can hear me, we were talking about. I got you Christmas. now, I think. Go ahead. Uh, uh, I said, well, let's build a nativity scene from, uh, from Michael to Crash Store, you know, go buy everything he's there to build a nativity scene. I had him open up Matthew and create a list on one side of the paper of everything we need. We need a star. We need some wise men, not three, some gifts. Um, so, you know, from Matthew. Then I had him on the other side of the page under Luke, make an inventory of what you need to buy at the craft store for that nativity story. We need some angels. We need a manger. Uh, I think you get my point. Yeah, you be, there are two be, different I, yeah, there, there are two different eyewitnesses, apparently, that told two different viewpoints of the scene. Although I don't think that the wise men, according to Matthew, of course, were ever at the house. Luke doesn't even get into that as such. I mean, ever at the manger. They came to the house, which was probably up to two years later that they came. Took them that long to get there. But you're right. Uh, but people have taken these little elements from these accounts mixed it with some tradition, like that there were three wise men. The Bible never says there were three wise men. And they even give them names, Balthazar and you know, and Malthazar. I don't know what the names are, but something like that. They give the three wise men names, and, and uh, somehow this is all supposed to be in the Bible. And they teach this on Sunday in their church. It's just, it's just incredible to me. Are you still there, John? I don't know if I got you or not. My point was more that you'd be surprised how many people didn't realize that how different the stories were and that they were only in two of the Gospels, not four. Right. Well, here's the thing. They've never read what the Gospels actually say. That's, that's really my point. Never even tried to figure out if they go together and what they should do. And their preachers or pastors or priests aren't helping them to understand these these accounts, how they fit together or what they do, what they say. All they know is Christmas is a fun time for kids with poinsettias and, you know, manger scenes. That's what they know. And Christmas gifts. Christmas gifts. Santa Claus. I know churches that have Santa Claus come down the aisle on Sunday around Christmas. Um, it's incredible to me. It, by, well, that, by that I mean in the true sense, be- incredible means hard to believe. Mike, this gets back to my point about how do we study the Bible. We can't just lift pieces and put them together any way we want to. We have to understand the context. We have to understand the timing in a lot of cases. We have to understand the, the entire picture that the passage is painting. And, and often we have to reconcile two different passages together to understand how those go together to give us one uniform picture. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and we don't often do that. That that's a Bible study method that that unfortunately I think is very rarely taught anywhere. Right now, now from John's that's exactly right. Now from John's texts here, now, uh, I presume you're the John that texted me this morning. Uh, we might disagree about how we should treat the Gospels. I don't believe the Gospels are contradictory. I believe they represent different accounts of the same thing and have different elements to them for and written for slightly different purposes. 
And that's why we have variation among the Gospels in them. And John's Gospel was written for an entirely different purpose than the others. Now, some people take those differences and say, oh, well, they represent contradictions and they don't try to make them work together. Um, but, but I take it more like what I read recently, maybe this week, that the, the accounts, uh, some of the, one of these political things, something about, maybe it was about this Biden email thing, that some of the accounts by the people involved were so exactly word for word similar that the prosecutor was saying, hmm, maybe this isn't really the truth. Well, because they were exactly word for word similar to what they were saying about how things happened. That's one of the things that's often pointed out about yeah. eyewitnesses to events. If they are all exactly the same, you can't tell whether... It's the differences that actually prove the honesty of the accounts. That's yes. what I have to say. The differences Unless there's something completely irreconcilable yeah, about right. them. Unless it's completely irreconcilable about it, the differences in the accounts prove the honesty of the accounts. I need to go get the, some old things I have on the credit, how you determine the credibility of a witness, you know, and and when you apply those as a prosecutor would in a jury trial or as an attorney would, uh, what you're taught in the law school to the gospels is very interesting to see how they determine the credibility of a witness today in courtroom settings. And you apply it to what the to the gospel writers. It's pretty interesting. I'll have to pull that out well, somewhere. It's, it's obvious that John had to hang up. By the way, thanks for calling, John. We really appreciate it. Well, we're running out of time. Yes, go ahead, Gary. Even even the gospels point out in Jesus's trial that the witnesses were found false because they were completely, in some cases, one hundred eighty degrees opposed to each other. But, so that was the opposite of being rehearsed. Right. They were well. When you give testimony like the guards at the tomb did. That the disciples came and stole the body away while we were asleep. Well, yes. now, the, what's the first question that the attorney's going to answer on the other side? Ask. So, how do you know what happened while you were asleep? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not very good testimony. Well, and another thing, if they were actually asleep, they wouldn't be alive to testify at that point. Right. According to the Romans, they had to right. be spared. That's true. But, uh, you yeah, know, there's so many. When you look at what's said in the Gospels about, and ver- from the various standpoints about what happened, it's just a. a Interesting thing to talk about. There, there's a couple of books written by attorneys on the trial of Jesus. And I forgot the guy's name now. Uh, I can't think of it. I'll think of it later. Uh, in the early 1900s, on the trial of Jesus, two big volumes set. Wow. From a standpoint of an attorney. And it's pretty incredible reading. Well, we got a couple minutes left. I, I didn't really get into um, some of the things I was going to get into. But let me just mention this, Gary in the time we do have left, and you can bring, close this out maybe with a verse or something you have. But but uh, I mentioned we were available as a podcast and so forth, but I, I didn't get at that you can listen to this show not only live on WPSL, but if you're not at a radio, an AM radio, you, you can listen to the show uh, at the, on the TuneIn radio app on your phone or in your car, on you know, if you have internet in your car, or on all your Alexa devices, just call up, 1590 WPSL on Google Chrome devices. You can listen to this show on Sunday mornings. And, and as I mentioned, it's also available uh, as a podcast recordings pretty much any time. So we'd like to invite you to join us live at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie this morning at 10 and 11 or catch us our, on our live stream. We'd be glad to have you and 
We thank you for listening. Hope you can tune in again next week to We Are Just Christians. Be ready with your calls, comments, and questions next week. And until then, may God bless you. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie on WPSL, Port St. Lucie.